You're listening to the MC Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture, coming to you from the campus of Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. I love it. It's so great. And a mic stand. One of our students here in the Mississippi College Graphic Design Department, his name is Isaac. He also is a drummer and uh, drums with me uh, at, at church at Pine Lake. He drums while Perna sings. Yeah, Perna I, does I, not drum I, I do not drum anymore. Uh, that was a past life. Um, but uh, no, he... Um, Our Isaac Woodward? Different Isaac. No, different Isaac. No, no, no. I don't know any new Isaacs. No, uh-uh. Um, he's not a music major. He's a graphic design I major. Know, I definitely know who. Don't know who. But um, but he designed it for us and and it looks awesome. We're gonna work on some t-shirts. So uh, big thing this week in um, in sort of the world, and I think we're timing this exactly right. Because the movie's gonna. Come because out? if I'm correct. For us, in our time machine, the last Jedi trailer, the final trailer, was just released on Monday night during Monday Night Football, because what a better way to get nerds to watch sports, but to put it during a football game. Or get sports fans to watch your... Star Wars. Yeah. It works both ways. There you go. And uh, I think that we will air this episode on December 15th. Which is the day The Last Jedi comes out. So feel free to comment on Facebook and tell us we're wrong. Yeah, so feel free. I can't wait to see the comment thread on this this podcast. You guys like, were really barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> you guys were all over the place. So what are our what are our theories based on the trailer? Uh, how, how are we feeling now that we've seen the trailer, the new poster? Uh, how, how are we feeling, Michael? Well, I think it's important to note... Uh, like. The obvious thing is that the poster is a clear reference to to Vader, uh, right? Exactly right. to to um um gosh. I've heard about this. Well, we gosh, about what this. is the? I feel so bad. Episode Empire. five, the name Empire. of it, Empire Strikes Back. It is a clear. I was. I was the like, masterpiece. Right. Exactly. I was like, what is the name of this movie? It feels so sad. Shun, shun me. Because um, let's face it, listen, we would like to recognize that we are huge Star Wars fans, but we also recognize that George Lucas and dialogue are not great. No. <laughs> but that, but it's clear that 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 poster is a, is 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 an homage to that, and I don't think that that's just like, oh, this is the second in our trilogy, and we're trying to make you feel better about everything. But I really think that this that like the positioning of the people is important, and I think that Luke being placed in the Vader position in the poster is very important. I agree. Hold on, I want to get back to this point, but before we go on with with this conversation, I forgot, I wanted to acknowledge that Phoebe is a guest again! Yeah. Two weeks in a row! Oh, and we actually have a new toy as well. We actually have a new prop sound that Michael's about to play. That's what that's for. No, uh-uh, it's not. Okay, just kidding. So, when I was... I want to get back to Star Wars, but since this, this is a voice science podcast... Um, when I was when I Dr. Cle- when Dr. Cleveland was presenting last spring at the conference we were both at, he to to demonstrate a model human voice, he had a bellows with a duck call attached to it, and then he put a piece of tube 
over the duck call. And if you squeeze the tube in different places, you actually get different sounds. You actually not not sounds. You actually get different vowels because if you constrict a, a no, it's not going to work. It's not it's not like an electrolarynx. Michael's trying to like make it like reflect into his vocal tract and and don't don't bite and my just duck call. Everybody listening. Um actually though Phoebe, if you actually do put your hands around it, oh. in sort of a cone-like shape, it should experience. give us ooh. Do you hear it? Sure. Now open your hand up a little bit. Like do two hands in a larger cup, in like a, in like a cup like this. And then we get a little bit more O. Oh. Sure. You have to really pay attention to what you're hearing. Right. But when you're so accustomed to looking at spectrograms like me, I mean it sort of becomes second nature. Like you just you're like, "Well, there's that higher first formant and I still hear a duck." They're going to be like, "God, those people just hit that squeaky thing over and over and over." <laughs> yes. Well, wait till we have the tube. Anyway, but I got this idea from Dr. Cleveland, and of course I want to give him credit for, for the idea. But when I saw him do it, I thought, a bellows, a duck call, and a plastic tube. I must have one. <laughs> of each. One of each. Of each. Right, that I can put together as a system, because my and dog is a system, so... Patent it. Make some money. No, it's not my idea. Okay, we'll get give him 15%. 30. Oh, that was his idea. Okay. You take 15%. Okay, but you're dealing with all the manufacturing nonsense. There you go. You're welcome. Oh, my. Hashtag voice pipe. Right. Working there, there, title. There actually is a video of a guy on YouTube with, a what, with a, like, an air compressor. And some... I don't know if he used a duck call. It was some sort of vibrating something. And he actually has a series of glasses. Like, glass... Like, glass. That he actually attaches to the vibrator... And so, of course, you get these clear vowel shapes. I mean, because if that constriction's in the back of the tube, it's going to give you ah. And if it's in the middle, it's going to give you an a vowel. And if you have it at the at the front of it, it's going to give you an e. But then, if you if you then if you add roundness at the opening, if you close the opening, you're gonna, you're going to get an oo. And if you open that slightly, it, you're going to get an o. I mean, it, it. I like it because the model does a good job of helping us realize that our voice that we use artistically is more than just that. And I think for some people who sort of maybe are struggling with one part of their voice or another, it's a nice way for them to sort of take a step back and go, oh, so like my tongue is not everything? No, it's not. I sort of wish, you'd, anyway, we'll get on to that. Well, no, let me. I'm on it now. So let me just. I, I I read a lot of comments on our lovely forum, our professional voice teachers forum, and I read a lot of comments referencing like like how do I deal with this tongue problem or how do I deal with that tongue problem? Stop talking about their tongue. Well, I do think if you would stop talking about their tongue, it would help. But I remember a Nats chat a few years back uh, with Scott McCoy, and Scott was saying. You know, the bottom line is some some people sing very well with a tongue that's very raised in the back or in the middle. Some people sing with a tongue that is, in fact, grooved down the middle. And some people sing with variants of all of the above. Of course, if you look at Mr. Domingo, he's taking the tip of his tongue and retracting it toward his uvula, um, which is sort of miraculous. Although, it's interesting. I actually can create some some pretty 
loud sounds that way that I'm not going to demonstrate into this microphone. Thank you. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, it got me thinking that, that, that when Scott said that, it got me thinking, like, you know, that, that's really very brilliant. And I stopped paying as much attention to the tongue. And I think a lot of my students stopped having as much tongue tension at the time because I stopped talking about the tongue or trying to have them manipulate the tongue at all. Uh, and and I it was actually sort of in my phase where I was really starting to focus more on resonant vibrations and feeling, uh, which is still sort of paramount to my teaching. Anyway, um, getting back to uh, to Star Wars because I'm not done with that conversation. We have priorities. We we do have priorities. <laughs> I'm still confused about why Ryan Johnson and I I have a feeling I will not know until this date when this podcast airs why he confirmed that. Anakin Skywalker was in the trailer, but I can't find him in the trailer. I can't figure out whether it's just an homage to Anakin Skywalker walking a la like into the Jedi Temple when he went and killed all the younglings, and if it's supposed to be some kind of mirror shot of like Kylo Ren going in to kill all of Luke's trainees. But then there's the whole thing that was leaked a couple of weeks ago that Hayden Christensen himself said that he's very presently working in the Star Wars universe. So, and I mean, I sort of took that to mean, okay, Force Ghost. Did you know that if you Google the words, is Hayden Christensen, it goes, is Hayden Christensen married? Then it goes, is Hayden Christensen dead? And then it goes, is Hayden Christensen still alive? Everyone thinks he's dead. Does that mean his career has tanked? That's what I was thinking. That, that's very sad has as an done, artist. What has he done recently? Perhaps he's only been seen as a force ghost recently. So. You know, that is, it's interesting. I remember being a freshman vocal performance major in an acting class. And I remember the, the, the gentleman who taught that, that section of opera was one of our acting professors. And, of course, you know, I'm as green as green can be, and I don't know really my, you know, voice from a hole in my head, and let alone how to actually portray a character on stage. And I remember him saying that there were three stages to every successful performer's career. And those three stages are, I'll use my name just for sake of doing it, who's Nick Perna? Get me Nick Perna. Get me somebody like Nick Perna. And I thought, now, retrospectively, I sort of think, man, that's really that's really a brilliant observation, actually. It's sad. It, it, it is sad, but it, but it is also... But it's, but it's not, because, I mean, if you're an artist, you, you sort of end up evolving with yourself. I mean, I remember one of my teachers telling us about how he made the active decision at a certain age to stop singing leading operatic roles and only sing character parts... Um, and what he meant by leading was no longer singing tenor characters that were supposed to be very handsome. Not necessarily that didn't have large parts, because uh, he went on to sing things like, like Captain Veer and Billy Budd and Peter Grimes and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Grimes. And, well, he's not and, singing Rodolfo. But he wasn't singing Rodolfo, right, or Don José or something that had to carry a romantic kind of lead. I always used to get frustrated uh, when I was first teaching and I don't think I I don't think I was even prepared to mentor this, but 
I remember my a lot of my New World students all wanted to be. I, I felt this way anyway. I think in the end, it it, it it maybe wasn't as true as I thought it was. But I felt like they all wanted to. I always used to say they all wanted to sort of die on their sword. Like they all wanted to be the leading person who either got to be the center of attention or the person who died at the end or, you know, w- whatever. I think one of the greatest challenges that young artists face, and I guess I'll say this to both of you too, is sort of recognizing what kind of roles you're meant to play. And when you make that realization, work usually comes a lot easier. Because I think we make too much of the idea of being successful artists as being stars and not being working people. Oh, I'm, I'm like, nodding <coughs> my head right now. <laughs> I remember the first episode. In the first episode of the podcast, Michael was like, I'm going to narrate Dr. Perna's face now. I don't think you've done it since then. I haven't done it since. No. It's Why just way, such a word. We, we don't know what Sarah had for breakfast this morning. No. Oh, she probably wasn't up to... Okay, she probably wasn't up to baking. So maybe like a piece of toast... Yeah, probably. Sarah's not feeling well today, guys. That's why Sarah's... <coughs> Last week, we didn't have Michael. This week, we don't have Sarah. Okay. Phoebe, since you're here... Michael. And Sarah's not here to defend herself... Is a breakfast biscuit. We dealt with this we last week. We dealt with this last week. We did. conversation yeah. on air, off air, like... So it's a cookie. It's a cookie. It's a cookie. Great. Okay. okay. That's all I needed to hear. And she's going to listen to this and be like, no, no, no it's a biscuit. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, if it's full of sugar and flour and butter and that's basically all that it is. It's a cookie. It's, I mean, it's some form of pastry at least. Hey, Sarah, if at least, let me know if I got your breakfast right this morning, I guess. Yeah, she could leave a comment. <laughs> if you Low remember density, what you had for breakfast cake. two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, she will remember it as that day we were sick. Oh, yeah, she was so sick. Yeah, she um, hey, Phoebe, since you're on here uh, and it's next week, your recital hearing's next uh-huh. week. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Hey, you want to? No, seriously. I actually thought of this this morning. <laughs> um, once I once Sarah texted me that she wasn't going to be in. Can you tell us what's on your recital? Yes. So I'm doing a Mozart set, and I'm doing Affluge Traditor from Don G. Mm-hmm. And so that's my opening stuff. I'm doing a Debussy Fet Gallant one. I'm awesome. doing some bomb Rodrigo songs uh, for Spanish for. The Madrigals. Yeah, the Madrigals. The they're awesome. Madrigals. If you don't know that set, and you're a soprano, and they're, they're fun. very fun. Fun and that'll end the first half. That's a that's nice little half. fun ender for the first <coughs> half. And then we open the second half with Adieu, Notre Petite Tab, from Don't Tell Me. It's by Massonet from Manon. <laughs> um, Sometimes when we're put on the spot, remembering like titles of things he, is at terrible. The, at the, the worst. at the what is a uh, high tower thing? Oh, at the master class. At the master class, he was like. Who did Barbara write the Hermit songs for? And I blanked completely. Right, and, and, I, and I, I knew you knew so this. Bad. I was like, I I know was like Phoebe this. only listens to Leontine's recording of this. I know she only listens to that recording. I do. And oh my gosh. So the next part of my recital is the Hermit songs. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that set? First of all, if you don't know this, Leontine Price is actually born and lived most of her life right down the road from us. In fact, I think she still is living there now. Um, 
I found out she's still alive. I, I didn't, didn't know, know that until yesterday. <laughs> uh, she did teach a master class here once, and then we actually have a small endowment from her estate that we do a, a biannual scholarship competition with here at MC. Uh, but um, but Barbara did write the Hermit songs for her, and and they debuted them. Listening to that recording of the two of them do it, oh. I honestly it makes me wonder if Barbara wrote them for her or for him. Because, I mean, there are piano moments of that cycle where I'm like, oh, this is way more important than the singer. And then there are singer moments where I'm like, oh, no, this is way more important. And so it really is a good example of vocal chamber music, I think, that, that, that piece. I agree. Mm-hmm. And collaboration, like true yes. collaboration. True collaboration, yes, yes. They're, yes. they're hard, but they're great. Yes. And then what are you ending with? Uh... No one else from Great Comet. Yes. Bringing some Great Comet at the end. Yeah. Love it. Definitely big fans of musical theater around here. Yes. Um, so that will be that will be in a few weeks, but the hearing is next Wednesday. week, and it's going to rock it out. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking really Christ. forward to it. So this week I had some, uh, some friends ask me if I was uh, going to Pava in Toronto, and for those of you who don't know, one of the big things about sort of being an academic is going to conferences. It's a great chance to network. It also is incredibly expensive. Um, and a lot of universities help subsidize that, uh, either with sort of just a bank of funds that they give to you or with letting you write grants for these things. Um, Pava is the, the, the one in the fall. There's that, It's sort of two major conferences that happen in the fall. One is a little bit more geared toward research and speech path and, and things of that nature. It's called the Fall Voice Conference. I actually didn't even know this conference existed till a number of years ago. Um, and I think I did a poster at one of them. <laughs> uh, no, I think John did it. I think it was the project I did with John Nix. I think he did the poster, and I think I, my name might have been on it. Um, I, I'm sure I did not do much work for that. Uh, but anyway, I don't think I knew Fall Voice existed until that year. But uh, PAVA is our sort of newer professional organization, and I need to join. I feel bad. Yes, I'm sorry. Maybe I'll have joined by the time this podcast airs. I'm sorry, all PAVA, my, my PAVA colleagues. I've not ever joined. I will. It's just another $100. What does PAVA stand for? The Pan-American Vocology Association. Okay. So there's sort of a move in our sort of line of work um, to uh, this move toward vocology. It's or like Pan-American Vocology Association. So is that like the ni- 1980s, like NBC? No, I think that's just I'm Michael trying to make okay. a 1980s. Uh, like a cable network. Cable access. Okay, so Pava board members, if you're listening and you'd like Michael to write you a jingle. You could write me a check. In case you didn't know, I think I've mentioned this once before, but the music part of our theme song, Michael did write record and perform in about an hour <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's wonderful um but anyway so pava is a in a, in, in a few in like next week or something like that actually um i mean in in your time in, in the real world it already happened uh but someone was posting of asking who was going and i i had to tell them like no i'm i'm, I'm not because i just can't afford it because i'm trying to afford both trips this summer this coming summer um, and actually, this is sort of well-timed being in December, this podcast, but this coming summer, I'm, I'm going to try to do Voice Foundation and Nats National, uh, and then that's two rather pricey trips because 
of many reasons, mostly airfare, conference registration, hotels, etc., etc., etc. But if you're out there and you're listening and you're interested in this world, if you've never been to a conference, I really highly recommend it, partially because of the networking you get to do and partially because I think we I think I've mentioned this once before in the podcast, but I think we don't do a good job still of dissemination of information. We used to rely on journals for that, but now most of the dissemination of information happens at conferences, and then things eventually get published. But like things that you know happen at conferences aren't published immediately. It at least takes a few months, if not a couple of years, depending on how their manuscript is going uh, for the for the publication. But it, it is a real chance to sort of see each year what is the cutting edge stuff that's going on so if you've never been to pava or if you've never been to voice foundation uh and nats national is not every year nats national is every other summer uh this summer it's in vegas at the tropicana resort i've heard that the resort fee has been waived and that the wi-fi will be free so that makes it a little bit more affordable paradise um, I, I I don't know how much the rooms are yet. I have to. I haven't okay. seen that yet. Uh, conference are we talking about? That's yeah, national. Oh, okay. uh, Voice Foundation is always at the Westin in Philadelphia, downtown. It's a pricey uh, event because lodging in that area is very expensive. Never been uh, to probably easiest to do is some kind of Airbnb situation or do split a room many many different ways. Hmm. But it's certainly, you know, going to conferences is sort of a, as an academic, a necessary evil. And, and honestly, if you just want to grow as a teacher, it's a, it's a good opportunity um, to get to hear what different disciplines... A necessary evil? You don't like them? It's expensive. Well, it, I don't oh, like that, that they're so expensive. That's true. That's the necessary evil it, to me. Well, and that makes it, you know, Susie Q, voice teacher who lives in... Can't, when I graduate, can I just start... Flying to all these things, having them pay me for me to fly there, and then do all like their live casting, web feeding. What do you call these things? I'm web streaming, web streaming, live streaming, live streaming. Yes, so yes, that. Voice <laughs> Foundation and and Pava and any other people. If you listen to this podcast, actually, and think those Pava people is already planning to web stream this year, and I think you can pay to watch their days. Well, listen, if you need some great personalities who are passionate about hey. voice, who already Michael are and in Phoebe the are going to need a job. World are already in the like they're familiar with the voice world and are great personalities on podcasts on podcasts. <laughs> We're good looking too, so you can put us on screen, well, and so and so no. you can we can walk. Where did that with, come well, from? Well, just because you're gonna put me on TV and you're gonna go, this is Michael Ham. Here I am. I'm talking about this random. You voice sound thing. like you're gonna audition blah, 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 for the blah, voice. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. He's got a dream. He's gonna live it. Blah blah blah. You know, blah, it's blah, funny. Blah, blah. I this week I just had a, a friend. It hasn't happened in a while because I guess American Idol is not a thing anymore, and so but I, it's coming back. Oh, it is. Oh. I had a friend ask me this week, for the first time in a (laughs) while, I had a friend ask me if I watched The Voice. And I was like, well, I've seen it. I've never really... He's like, the singing's pretty bad. (laughs) I was like, well, isn't this like the very first rounds? Like the judge audition? Judge, like the the blind things? I sort of like that concept, though. Not being able to see... It's what made me think of it. Not being able to see the person. uh, My favorite is when the people turn... Like, one time Adam Levine turned around and he goes... Dude, you're on my team, and I'm happy to have you, but I'll be honest with you, I thought you were a woman. 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, well. Um, that happens more and more with tenor voices these days. Oh, yeah. Sort of the Sam, what's his name? Sam Sam Smith. 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 Oh, my gosh, though. Hate him. Okay, Dream well. Job, his backup singer. If I could do that, like even just like one song <laughs> in the recording studio live, I don't care. Sam Let Smith, me be a Sam as Smith. As I've previously noted, singer. is the Nikolai Geda of pop music. I think you did say that once before, yes. Um, so I love him. I honestly, other technical. than that one song, I don't think I've ever heard any of his other songs. So technical. Um, so, we had heard? some uh, good news this week. Good we news. finally got an IRB response from the medical center. How exciting. We have some revisions to do. But that will hope. Usually, the revision process of this is much quicker than getting an initial review taken care of. So my hope is that not obviously not next week, but that the week after on Monday the twenty third, we will actually be able to start collecting data. Collecting Finally, data. that will mean that. Uh, Next Friday for Michael, for you and Sarah and I, next Friday will be rather busy because that's also the launch party, and uh, and then we'll also need to make sure that we're ready schedule wise for Monday. Uh, we're launching out there, right? Yes, we're gonna launch on the steps. This will oh, have already happened. Out, out there. Yeah, we're gonna do it on the on the porch, basically. Okay. I mean, porch is not the right word. Do we call just the, the steps, steps. The, the the front steps of the building? Uh-huh. I think it was better than stinking up the entire lobby with bacon. I disagree. Well, <laughs> there were some colleagues of mine that asked. They thought it would be better if it was on the front steps, which I think is reasonable. I mean, I think that's reasonable. So anyway, as, as these things go, we've been talking about this process you know, with the actual study, and we did finally have a response from the medical center regarding um, some revisions. And so we'll get those revisions of the protocol made this week and get them submitted and hopefully literally by this time next week we will have approval to uh, hopefully by the middle of next week um as i said typically revisions with these things don't take very long you get them made you submit them you basically just do whatever they tell you to do which is a good piece of advice by the way if you're if you're ever a a burgeoning doctoral student who us yes i'm looking at the two of you if you ever happen to for some reason do a dma Mm mm-hmm one of the pieces of advice that I always give my dissertating DMAs is, you know, come up with your concept and, and all that kind of stuff, and that's important. Find your hole in the literature and, and have a good topic. But in the end, like especially at the revisions stage, once you've written the paper that you want to write with your chair and, and that kind of thing, do whatever the committee tells you. I mean, unless it's really a bad idea. Now, one of the things, and I say that because at some point you need to graduate and finish a doctoral degree, and there comes a point where you just, you know, need to sort of do what you need to do to get that expert's name on your paper, for them to sign off on it and graduate. Um, if it's ridiculous, you talk to your chair about it and you know, kind of, kind of come up with a, what a strategy. One of the most difficult things, actually, in that stage of sort of working on language, which is what I'm going to have to do this week with this IRB protocol, is you might get different feedback about the same topic that might oppose each other from different committee members. What do you do then? Well, you oh. wh- oh. it, it depends. It depends on your chair. You hope you have a great committee chair. 
and you ask in that case you may actually ask your committee chair to try to negotiate and navigate that with you or for you um, I, 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 I've had to step into those situations a couple of times um, are we sure do you know what days you're doing are you doing Monday Wednesday or Tuesday Thursday I don't remember. okay we have to check with Sarah and make sure that we know what days that we're... It, it's dependent on what two days of the week Sarah decided to work. Cause that Doesn't she work Thursdays? I think she works Thursdays. Like at her real job? Yeah. I actually don't know. I think it's Thursdays. So I, think <laughs> you're mon I think you're Tuesday, Thursday. No, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, but we'll need to... Oh, and i got to get that site license back from the hospital so that we have the key fob so we can actually practice sometime next week. Right. Um, that that needs to be become a priority for me. Uh, <laughs> so next week, in addition to doing Phoebe's recital hearing, and addition to just my normal regular hectic schedule, I'm also desperately trying to finish memorizing Schubert. Can I tell you guys, as you get older, listen, learn all the repertoire you can now, God. because it all memorizing only gets oh. more difficult. Don't tell me that. I'm just gonna tell you that as a piece of advice. Okay, let's start. It's time to start. Start looking at all kinds of that stuff that's too heavy for me right now. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. You know, it's interesting. I'm not even so much talking about opera. Right. I, I know you're talking it, about art. I songs. find it much easier to learn opera well, and memorize you have, you opera. Have, you have staging. Well, not only ideas. staging, but there's other people. Right. There's you other have, people around you. Have so you many more cues that are interacting with you. And, you. and and it's a more usually it's a more clear story. You know, sometimes in art song you're sort of making up the story yourself. Yeah, the there's bird, a rose and a bird, a flower, and the bird landed the on the rose. rose. Yeah, but like not all art song is French. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but man, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm not really worried about the duet that we're doing. That is also a new, new piece for us. Uh, my wife and I are making a very truncated foray into Wagner. Uh, a 12, very 12 minute long a 12 duet. minute we're taking a 12 minute Trunk long duet and making it about three and a half oh, minutes okay. i thought you said you're doing the whole 12 minutes so i was like okay no 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 truncated okay. from 12 okay yeah from a 12 minute duet to a three and a half minute duet um <coughs> which i'm sure yes okay wagner folks we're sorry we just want to apologize <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that here or is that yeah here that's here. we've had to apologize for you many times already so Apologizing to you is for, a small thing. Oh, you have to apologize for Vodka. Right. Okay. Uh, oh. But anyway, man, I'm doing these... Um, and it's interesting because the, some of them are songs I've taught before, and they're songs that I've known sort of for a long time. You're doing these what? You didn't finish uh, Oh, sorry. I'm doing <laughs> the... Um, I'm, Schubert only set six Heine texts. We associate Heine, obviously, much more with Schumann. Um, you know, Schumann, uh, so much of his song output is Heine, um, and so we associate Heine much more with Schumann, um, uh, but there are there are six Heine settings in Schwanengesang, um, which is sort of not really a song cycle as it is. It's just a collection of songs that Schubert's brother found in a trunk, and then they put them in an order and published them. Um, but so I'm doing them in the order, I mean, and people have done this before. It's not like I'm doing anything cutting edge. I'm doing them in the order that Heine wrote the poetry. 
and memorizing them is just been the bane of my existence. I can sing them with music. But of course, then I made the mistake the other night, and I've been listening to this recording, but I really sat down diligently with the Fisher D. Scow and just listened to him and the way he uses text and the way he paints colors with the text. Um, like the way, I, I just was mystified by the way he used the word stirped. And I just thought, oh my gosh, if I can even come close to what this is, I'll have succeeded. Um, it was really, really quite remarkable. All right, so next week um, we are we should be uh, doing having a really great podcast because we'll be preparing to take data the week after that. Yeah. So it will be quite maybe a little technical, but but it'll be awesome. Um, takeaways, takeaways for for today. Me first. Uh, it doesn't matter. Maybe. I oh okay I I realized this morning. I warmed up more to speak on this podcast than I do normally to sing. That's about it. Wow. Because you don't want to sound like you just woke up an hour ago. Which I've True been. enough. And, and you like to warm up. I, I do. Yeah, I remember us talking about that before. I actually always sound like this, but especially in the morning. <laughs> yes, but eventually after we sing a while... In the evening, I sound like a tenor by the end he, of the day. Yeah, in the evening you don't sound like this at all. No. No. <laughs> so maybe like 6 a.m. performances of the Star Spangled Banner are not good for you. No. I sang the Star Spangled Banner once. I had a gig to sing. Maybe in the key of it B was, flat. It was the it was B flat. Is that a low key? That's a high I key meant, for the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, say can you That's a high key for the Star Spangled Banner. And the rocket's red glit. No, I just mean it literally goes up to an F on the staff. I'm yeah, but I mean, most people sing the Star Spangled Banner in A flat. Oh, I'll sing it there. <laughs> but anyway, I had a gig once to sing uh, the Star Spangled Banner for a marathon, and and so and it was in Miami, and so the the thing started. I had to sing it at six o'clock in the morning. Disgusting. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> it was something. Anyway, uh, takeaway. Uh, my takeaway. Is um, gosh, Sarah's not here, so I have to blank today. Um, That's true. What's your takeaway? I'll think of a takeaway. Okay. My my takeaway for today is in in homage to the fact that we're finally going to hear Luke Skywalker speak tonight in Star Wars. My my homage is there is no try or there yes that's what I just said <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. Mm. And so whatever you need to do this weekend to make it happen, go see The Last Jedi. Yes. Because we will. <laughs> yes. Mm. Actually, probably Saturday morning, because that's usually when I take my kids to movies. Oh, this is my takeaway. Here's my question. Last week, I went to Washington, D.C., and I visited the Air and Space Museum, and specifically, I was enthralled with the Wright Brothers. And it made me think about how those guys were more than, it said on the sign, more than mere tinkerers. They were innovators in the field of aeronautics. And it made me think about how the adventure of those two guys and their research opened up a whole new world and caused a whole generation, multiple generations of people, over a century of people to just dream and exist. And so my question is, what is the next Wright Brothers? for our day and age that would cause America to dream rather than fear.
I actually think that that's a, a, a very good question that I think a lot of big thinkers have been thinking for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at all the tech industry jobs, they're all for people who basically design apps and work on AI. Right. And so all of the great thinkers and, and, and really high-tech folks, they're not even really going into engineering at all anymore. They're going into software design. Right. <laughs> and, and so I think that um, it is a very good question. I think that it's sort of funny now when I go back to Disney World and, you know, Disney was so into, like, modern innovations and he thought they were all going to be physical things. Like, you know, things like a Roomba, like a vacuum that cleans your house without you doing anything. You know, things that made your life easier. Except, more or less, all of our ideas now go in a five-inch black box that we carry around attached to our hips. A black mirror? You know, uh, yes, if you, we, I, the show Black Mirror is... It, terrifying. Uh, it's, it's intense. I know. I know. No, that you've not Just, watched that? No, I have. Oh, you have. I, I oh. couldn't. Yeah, I actually got to an episode and I had to stop because I was like, yeah. this is... Uh, yeah, it is... Oh, gosh, Gertrude Stein. Oh, my. Um, Or no, uh, Edith Sitwell. Edith Sitwell. I was watching a, a, vi- a YouTube video last night about why it is so dark and why we still watch it. Yeah, you've been sucked into the black mirrors. It's very interesting. Anyway, I don't know about that. All right, so folks, listen, we hope you enjoy Last Jedi. Um, Please feel free to tell us that we were wrong or right. We didn't really talk about any theories, actually. My theory is just to go on record, Grey Jedi, Rey and Kylo Ren, become one and become the Grey Jedi. That's my guess. They were the two that were prophesied about because they will become the great Jedi that will bring balance to the Force. There's my theory. I guess that's also my second takeaway for the day. (laughs) Rey and Kylo Ren do become one thing, and they become the great Jedi. There you go. Yeah. Bye.